we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yashramski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Thanks to the Entitled Town Orchestra. Welcome back, everybody. And we're going to stay positive. Yes, we are going to stay positive. At least we're going to try our damn to stay positive. Uh, welcome back to Entitled Town. My name is Mike Irons. Entitled Town is the only podcast that has more hosts than the Boston Sports Journal has subscribers. Uh, Shaq is back. He's been off for the last last week or two. Uh, Shaq is uh, doing his Patriots World Tour. The 15 has boots on the ground, not only at Gillette, but uh, this coming weekend's game in Houston. Shaq, uh, welcome back. Uh, you, as you've been away for a bit, um, thought we'd get, you know, Bucks 19, Patriots 17. That's obviously topic number one, but how did you feel before the game? What was the atmosphere like? And, and how did you feel about the uh, the game overall? Yeah, well, first of all, it's good to be back with you guys. I feel like I've missed so much. And you guys have done an absolute perfect job fill, uh, filling the gaps. But I appreciate you guys uh, holding me down while I was gone. But uh, as Bill Belichick likes to say, yeah, I was at the game. And the atmosphere, <laughs> the atmosphere before the game well, I, let me just tell you who I went with. I went with the Patriots fan, but I also went with one of those fans. And when I say those fans, I mean one of those Tom Brady fans who, you know, those well, he didn't want to wait. He actually brought a Bucks jersey with him, but I told him not to do that because I was like, dude, you're going to look stupid. But uh, actually he didn't because there were quite a few that I noticed of those, those douchey, asshole-ish half and half Brady Bucks jerseys. And, you know, I, I just, just did a little bit of a growl every time I saw one because it was just ridiculous. But uh, going into the game, uh, the atmosphere, it was, it was pretty much electric. Um, I wasn't, we didn't get in because of how hectic it was. Uh, but we, we did hear the cheers of when Brady walked out and, uh, you know, he did his customary fist pump and all of that stuff. But as far as the game was concerned, it was it was electric. I would say it's probably one of the better crowds I think I've been to. Um, and I don't know if you guys could tell through the television, but I, I, there were it was a lot of, of especially especially there were a lot of moments during on defense where, you know, the crowd was really into it. And it was a, a pretty like a college atmosphere, which I know a lot of people have their complaints about Gillette Stadium and the noise and all that. But I that wasn't yeah. the case. That wasn't the case in this game. Uh, it was, but it was also, and it, it was also really weird weather-wise. The rain would stop one time, and then it would just be pouring the next time, and it would just be on and off. And I, I think, I think it was well played. If if the refs weren't around, this would have been a well played game on both sides. If the refs didn't exist, it just seems as though. Every time a team would have momentum and a team would grasp it, then there'd be a ref to just take it away. And it, the entire stadium would just know it. And especially towards the end, it just seemed as though 
that the momentum was going a certain way and then the wrestlers had to make themselves known and i'm not that guy that's like oh the refs are oh all the refs are bad the refs are the reason why the patriots lost and because obviously that's not why the patriots lost but i think a lot of that a lot of it has it was a lot of factors but i think first of all what i came away from that game is mac has steel balls mac jones is the one and for what he was able to do, the all of that pressure, and that was what was really weird through all the Belichick and Brady uh, talk of the week. Matt Jones was pretty much an afterthought, and yes. the fact that he came into that game, and if not for five short inches from a Nick Folk kick, we're talking about that probably being one of the greatest upsets in football history. So. That was, I'm really, and Patriot fans should be very proud of Mac and the way they handled things and, and the defense, especially, and the way they played Um, it all around, even though it didn't turn out the way it should have. I think that I came away from this game being, uh, this is, this, this was the, their best effort of the season. And hopefully they'll be able to uh, improve on that this week. A good point regarding the crowd. It did come across that the, the the atmosphere was electric, although at times during the game it was tough to tell over Chris Collinsworth's bloviating and just constant drivel. Uh, Dan, you and I, we we talked after the game. And we both agreed. It's like we think they found their guy in Jones. Uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, the Buccaneers Patriots game? Well, that right there is the main takeaway: is that they've got their quarterback of the present of the future. You know, they can build with him. They can build around him. Uh, they can win with him. You know, they work out the kinks and this, this is going to be a fun season to watch. Um, one thing I really loved about the game was uh, for all the nonsense build up to that game. Once the game started, it was the drama was the game and it was, and they treated us to this fantastic game to watch. There was, there was a, I already forget who the NFL writer was tweeting during the time that this is a boring game. No, it wasn't. It was phenomenal to watch. It was a football and, and, game. It wasn't a pinball machine. Yeah. And, and for all the uh, the feeling afterwards, like, oh, they, they could have had it. You still you, you don't feel as the deflation that you might from that game just because they, they were in it the whole way. They had a perfect game plan uh, and everybody came to compete that I, I don't know how you feel anything but positivity for, for that. Belichick's been saying for two decades that even at the, the height of the, the first dynasty and as good as they were. Uh, last decade he said the football comes down to a few plays and that right now they're not making the plays they're they're learning each other and learning uh you know the belichick's learning them and he's uh and they're learning him scartelli your thoughts on tampa bay 19 new england 17 exactly a couple of mistakes that uh didn't need to happen happened you gotta gotta hang on to the ball that's that's really rule number one when it comes to uh, comes to Belichick and uh, with the running backs, and that was unfortunate. And you can't uh, you can't staple all the running backs to the bench, so something yeah. needs to be worked on this week and in the weeks to come. And everyone who was you know absolutely you know getting their dress over their head over going for the <laughs> field goal to you know go ahead instead of you know trying trying it you know going for it with a pass on a fourth and three. 
if, if they don't make it there, the same people that were crying would be crying about that. Yep. There, there's going to be no pleasing these people out there. And like it was, uh, it was everything but the win. And we yeah. just, uh, just need to work on a few things, get the offensive line healthy, you know, not, uh, not coveted up and, you know, with, uh, all the, all the muscles attached to the bones where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, there's still, there's still plenty of season left. I'm not going to, you know, not going to lose my mind on the fact that it's uh, just there. They're one and three, but so are a bunch of other, a uh, bunch of other teams out there. Agreed. Uh, Mike on route one would not approve of use of the Royal. We regarding the Patriots cartel. just take a lap um, to Scarzi's point, John, uh, the running back ball security, never go full Steven Ridley for Christ's sakes. John, your thoughts on the game. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, this is probably the only podcast that really cares about the Patriots that isn't going to spend all of its time debating the, the decision that Scarzi just mentioned. You know, there's so many great things to take away from this game. No game is decided on one play, one decision. Um, you know, a couple things that jump out at me, y'all hit so many of the, the big points, the, Everybody on this uh, on this pod knows, and everybody who listens, I think, to this pod knows the 2001 team started one and three. Um, that you know the, the football they're playing in September is not what the you know the football they're going to be playing in December or November, December looks like. If you didn't come away from that game thinking they're going to be, uh, they're going to continue to kind of you know, the crescendo is going to continue to build on this team. I don't know what to tell you. They're going to keep playing better football. It's clear um, that Mac Jones is the guy, as you've already said. I don't know how you can come away from that game not being excited about what he's going to bring to this team uh, over the course of hopefully many, many years. Uh, one thing I noticed that I thought was kind of interesting was Mac Jones had 17 completions to wide receivers, uh, nine different guys caught balls. Brady had 17 completions to wide receivers. So I think weirdos are kind of jerking off over things like average depth of target, like that's the new fetish out there among the kind of the stats geeks. And I'm seeing a guy who not only is he willing to throw it outside to his receivers, right, getting more and more comfortable in his fourth NFL start, uh, but he's spreading the ball around like a, like a pro. And, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know, people get fixated. And then, you know, again, if you watch that game and you're pining for Cam Newton, I don't know what to tell you, right? Cam is, is you know, God bless him in the twilight of his career. But I think anybody who's watching that game is comfortable with, with Mac Jones. So, it does come down to a few plays. Mac Jones said that today. It comes down to a few plays. And, um, you know, if he's echoing what Belichick says about how to play winning football, I'm good with that too. Good point. Uh, John is evidently um, podcasting from inside one of the tomato cans that the Patriots have been playing over the past two decades. Um, they get they still got to put the ball in the end zone. I, I will uh, – my point stands is that they're still the, – the coaching staff's learning the team and vice versa, but they have to start putting the ball in the end zone. There's a good opponent this weekend coming up in the Houston Texans. I worry a little bit about, I have worries and concerns that there'll be a letdown, but you know, you're one in three and you really can't take, you're not good enough at this point to take anyone uh, for granted. I think um, all last week, the drama last week, and, and we called it on last uh, the, the podcast that dropped Friday, the drama went from, uh, Belichick and Brady and, and not believing what they say to the hug and handshake uh, you know, predictions, that sort of thing. Um, Belichick and Brady, as everyone knows by now, met for uh, more than 20 minutes post game privately. They hugged after the game 
And the, the verbal bouquets that they've been, that they sent to each other after that game, it really seemed that there is a mutual admiration society, Scartelli, between the two of them. I'm not sure that all the virtual ink that was spilled and the, and the hot takes that were flung and the clicks that were sought uh, portrayed any of their feelings accurately. And Brady said as much. Oh, there's 65 years of combined professionalism between the two of them there. They know, they know how to handle things, how to keep things, uh, keep things in the public eye and, you know, out of the public eye as necessary. The, the, the idea that there was, you know, some sort of, you know, cold war between the two makes for, you know, it'll sell books. It will, you know, sell the newspapers and give you clicks and you can click through on the, uh, on the, you know, the slideshow over at the uh, NBCSN or whatever it's called. NBC and, takes Boston. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they're, they're doing a great job. there. doing a great job. All right. A little Larry Johnson homage there. Say everyone's doing a great job. Quag. Yeah. That was that. So, you know, move it. Keep, keep the ball moving. Yeah. Let me step on your dick a little more there. I apologize. <laughs> Dan, um, the BS that we discussed uh, on the last pod of last week, uh, your thoughts on both uh, Brady and Belichick's postgame comments about each other. Yeah, include Kraft, too. I, I was happy that none of the three sunk to the occasion that everybody was hoping for. Good, they, well put. The, the, the Patriots were very classy with how they handled uh, Brady coming back and, and, and the video presentation that they were, they were showing. And I, I was really impressed that the fans were classy too. You know, they're they're cheering pre-game and then during the game, when when you know when the game's yes. uh, happening, they're they're booing booing the Buccaneers just like they're supposed to be. That was that was perfect. He's uh, the opposing know, quarterback, and they booed him. You know, I, I will give a tip of of the entitled town cap to the Gillette crowd. That. Shaq Shaq must have led that. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and I had one other thing. This was a Seth Wickersham follow up. I saw that afterwards Brady uh, was interviewed by Peter King. So Wickersham said that Brady told a confidant that Bill's unavailability showed how the relationship deteriorated. But Brady told King that Belichick was out of town. I was thinking that any reporter worth his salt. Yes. Uh, it, it would be the easiest thing to find out wh what was uh, Bill Belichick's whereabouts the night of that call. But had Wickersham done that, well, it wouldn't have been as good a story. Wickersham went, uh, when Belichick said, I believe it was in the Monday press conference, when Belichick said that he wasn't sure he had ever spoken to Seth Wickersham, and Wickersham went on a tweet storm, um, mm -hmm. taking pictures of his book shack and tweeting it out. I, I quote tweeted and said, I think the, thou doth protest too much regarding, uh, regarding the, the sham, the appropriately named Seth Wickersham shack, but uh, your thoughts on on the post game uh, flowers, virtual flowers that Brady and and Bill, our good friend, exchange. We're on the same wavelength with that one, Mike, because I was just about to point out that Seth Wickersham uh, uh, tweetathon, but before that, I just have to mention uh, Scarcy talked about NBC takes Boston and Joey Murr. You know th those poor chairs that he has to sit in. I mean, they should give him at least three or four of them so he doesn't have to worry about that. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Belichick says, I don't think I've ever talked to, to the guy referring to Chef Wickersham. And then he's all uh, and and by the way, yeah, not only is he doing it, but his fellow ESPN cohorts are 
leading the parade as far as is if there's any guy any guy to trust it's Seth Wickersham you better not uh diss Seth Wickersham because he'll get you too and and you know Mina Kimes oh hater she says what do you expect Belichick to say I just find it hilarious that all these like these these people in the media they they think that that it protects everything that they accuse athletes and coaches of like you accuse them of, of doing that. And then you're over here just protecting your own. And if I'm right, if they're lying and, uh, but obviously the Belichick's not going to admit what I'm saying because, well, why would he admit that? Because he's lying. But then Tom Brady says the same thing. Is Tom Brady lying? So I, I just, it, it's, it's, it's a continuous cycle. They have to continue the, the money train and, it clearly, I, I'm wondering how the sales on his book are doing because I, after after this week, I mean, does anybody really care? Nobody circles the wagons like the national media. It's John. Your thoughts? Fuck Seth Wishersham, no vouch. Wow, we found we finally found somebody that John will <laughs> will not vouch for. It's a vouch free October. I promised somebody that. And starts with that guy. Well done. Well done. Um, Stefan Gilmore, uh, Shaq. Well, I'll go back to you, Shaq. Stefan Gilmore for a sixth round pick. Um, okay. Um, I think the media reaction was very predictable. Two people in particular wound up on my radar after the Gilmore trade. One is the despicable Albert Breer. Albert Breer is... I'm under the impression that he's supposed to be a reporter. Albert Breer tweeted today, I had a tweet storm, an agent-fueled tweet storm. Um, and this was the money shot for me, Shaq. This is Breer tweeting on Wednesday. Quote, and I'll repeat one thing from here. The interesting thing is Gilmore didn't make any noise publicly. He just treated the Patriots the way they treat all players as an adversary at the bargaining table to defeat. Nothing personal. Never blinked. Good for him. All right. Never mind that this is through one prism. This is probably a, a lightly edited copy and paste from Gilmore's agent, which is so clear. I mean, I wish somebody would disrespect me to the tune of five years and 65 million. Gilmore earned every penny of that contract. Defensive player of the year, two Super Bowls. I would say it was a pretty damn good marriage, but the coloring of what happens here, and this is, I wanted to circle back with this, uh, regarding Mike Tomlin later, um, framing this in a light and reporting this almost as fact, I guess he's reporting it on Twitter. Um, it's this, this one lens thing. Um, well, I'll go back to you, John. The one lens thing with this Breer stuff, and I don't know if, I think you read the Breer piece that accompanied this tweet storm, but I mean, this is, it's disingenuous. It's one-sided and you know, it's sad. So I read this piece, Mike, and I read it like Breer is the spokesman for the opposing political party, right? Yes. That's, that's the way it reads. It reads like kind of the, the kind of garbage, you know, put aside whatever party you're in. I don't give a shit. If you listen to this podcast, I don't, it's not a political commentary as much as it's a commentary on the way like politics is framed in these good versus evil sort of narratives. And Breer tees this up like he's the spokesman for the party that Bill Belichick is not in, 
right? You know, the opposing political party. It's so one-sided and, and just ridiculously slanted and it trips over itself. I mean, I love relying on Dan in times like this because I feel like you're the, you're the real, like, you're the real media um, ombudsman, Dan. You know, you're, 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 <laughs> you're the real you know, MVP. You're, you're the real, but you know, I, I so I'm, I'm happy to kick it over to you, but like the, the, the report doesn't even make sense, right? He, he gets into this hindsight, like what Belichick should have done 18 months ago but between then and now is the quad unreal, injury, unreal. which affects the leverage, you know, that that both Belichick had vis-a-vis trade and then Gilmore has vis-a-vis next contract. And, you know, sometimes it's just not that interesting. The, the, the you know, the story could very easily be, you know, they gave him some money last year ahead of schedule. Then he gets hurt. That that readjusts the calculations. And Gilmore doesn't want to pull a Earl Thomas and re-injure the quad in the last year of his contract, right? I, I can get that. I can get the fact that that Gilmore wants that next contract. We've seen a number of right. uh, players at this stage in their career want that one additional payday. I, I don't blame them for that. But I also know Bill Belichick isn't going to be that guy. Other teams are that guy, right? Bill Belichick has never been that guy. He's always been a guy who was a year early, year late. Somebody's going to be a year late on Stephon Gilmore on this next contract. It's not going to be the Patriots. I'm good with that. You know, a, a thousand times agree. Um, I mean, I think that the, the compensation, people are bitching about the compensation, a sixth rounder in, uh, in two drafts from now. I think the compensation says more about Stefan Gilmore than it does, you know, what the Patriots tried to do. Bill the GM is not in the business of taking the, the worst return he can get for an asset. To your point, he hadn't, he hadn't stepped on the field. He was hurt last year. He's 31 years old. Before I throw this to Dan, he's this Dan. He's the same age that Darrell Revis was after yeah. he walked from the Patriots after Super Bowl 49. Revis got paid a huge contract from the Jets. By the way, that's the most Jets thing ever. Revis leaves the Jets, goes to New England, wins a Super Bowl, goes back to the Jets, builds them for money, and falls off the clip, the Max Kellerman cliff uh, that you know everyone else has been waiting for. Who is you have to pay him, and you're going to get. What are you thinking? Get a first round pick for a guy who's going to count against the cap a, roughly a million dollars a game for the rest of the season. Um, I'm going to Mike, you. Go ahead, John. I, I got to just say it's off the board in Vegas. If Mike Tannenbaum gets hired this off season, that he signs Stefan Gilmore. Okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> you, you, you can't get odds on that. All right. And he so, has done it again. Yeah, exactly. that's, that, that's what one of the old, uh, the BSW old boards are. Tanny does it again. And by the <laughs> way, Breer was one of his biggest fans back in the day, you know, yeah. know it all Al. Uh, Dan, I'm going to hit mute before I, I, I burst a blood vessel. So go ahead. You know, Darrell Revis was like the ultimate mercenary for hire. I mean, he made the most of his paydays wherever he went. Um, with, uh, with Gilmore, I, I think it feels similar to like how it was with Jimmy Garoppolo, where they just extended as far as they possibly could yes. and, and stretched out that great before call, they finally call. had to make a decision. And as I, I, I loved that it did come down to a trade. It was it, thinking that, oh no, it's the, he's going to end up with some, you know, he's, he's going to bail out the bucks for their injury situation, or he's going to bail out the, the chiefs, it, him going to the Panthers. I'm perfectly fine with that. But for those who are thinking that they should have extended them earlier, I don't know how you do that when he has a quad injury. 
And for those who think they should have traded him earlier, I don't know how you do that when he's got a quad, quad injury, injury. <laughs> you know, or, um, or he's coming off of defensive player of the year. I mean, if you, if you take the Breer piece at face value, when the Patriots had max leverage, he was the reigning pre-injury defensive player of the year. Correct. I mean, you're, you're really trading that guy. Come on. Right. Yeah. And let's, let's be honest. Gilmore was defensive player of the year in 2019, the year that mopey Tommy emerged Scarcy. He was not the same player in 2020. Good, but I mean, he wasn't, he was not peak Stefan Gilmore in 2020. Maybe the, the bounce passing on the other side of the ball affected him. But your thoughts on, before I throw it back to you, Scarty, Nick Cattles, the despicable Nick Cattles, he's been, t- maybe John's worst vouch to date. I'm glad we're going to have a, a vouch free October. Nick Cattles went on a tweet storm, never go full Bedard. I, I'm going to read this tweet. And I'm going to then mute myself once again, because I'm going to go have to throw up after reading this. This is Nick Cattle's tweet from Wednesday in the middle of a tweet storm regarding uh, just this uninformed tweet storm regarding Gilmore's departure from the Patriots that turned from a, a release into a trade quote. Gag reflex incoming. Ipso facto. Belichick was asking for more. It got to the desperation stage, and he took a sixth and 23. This is how you overplay a hand going back to last year, ladies and gentlemen. I turn it over to my esteemed colleague from mortgage-free Western Mass. Now, isn't Cattle's, you know, buddy Bedard, wasn't he accusing uh, Gilmore of being a mumbler or some such business way back in the yes, day? Yes, he couldn't And now he's the most important, uh, most important uh defensive player on the field and how can you possibly get rid of him i'm just uh i just want to talk about how this was covered it uh broke at what like around 11 o'clock eastern you get the uh Schefter headlines with you know the with the giant font like it's announcing you know man walks on the moon kennedy slain in dallas it's shocking news how can this be shocking when eventually everyone knows that no one except for you know except for Slater, everyone is expendable on the Patriots. Anyone can be, you know, gotten rid of. So uh, I don't know how this can be seen as being shocking. And then everyone was like, oh my goodness, they're going, they just, they just released him. We're going to get nothing. And they do this with plenty of time before the 4 PM Eastern uh, time when it becomes, when it becomes a, you know, official. And guess what? People started, you know, wheeling and dealing behind the scenes, trying to, make sure that they were the one who gets uh, gets Gilmore. How about that? It's almost like uh, the Patriots know what the hell they're doing. Yep. And, um, and furthermore, and, and then, and then, you know, seamlessly everyone pivots to, we only got that much for him when earlier they were complaining that they weren't going to get anything. Yes. It's, yes. It, we, we've, we've done this dance so many times before. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was, but you know, it's, there is, there is some, there is some value in watching it happen over and over again, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it, it's you make good points, Patrick. It's uh, one of the most predictable things in life was that it was going to that that I'll have this month in a vouch free October is that when I saw <laughs> that Gilmore was going to be released and the deadline wasn't until four p.m. I said, well, of course somebody's going to throw them a draft pick for a flyer on the, a good yep. cornerback with a bat with a bad quad. You referenced the. Uh, the block headline, the, the 100-point font, Scott Telly, man walks on moon. And it made me think of the scene in Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey's walking out of the bar and he looks at the headline, man walks on moon, and goes, 
no way. I think Volan was probably that way when he heard news of the, the Gilmore tree because no one talks to him. Uh, Shaq, put a bow on this one for us. I've been chomping at the bit because you guys have been just smacking the balls out of the park. And I'm, I'm just, I've just been waiting for my turn. But I just want to go back to uh, Mr. Breer and his first tweet that just incensed me. And it might do the same for you. Uh, the Patriots refused to lose a negotiation to their best player. And a year later, all they could get for Stephon Gilmore was a bag of pylons. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that so, was awful. So Antonio Brown, Adalis Thomas, Jason Kelsey, Latavius Murray, Delaney Walker, those are all six-round picks. Belichick himself has drafted Michael Owenu, uh, Ted Karras, Nate Ebner, and a little person by the name of Tom Brady in the sixth round. But yeah, a bag of pylons. See, this is what it comes down to with the media. It's always about uh, they're better than you. They're better than yeah. them. They are the purveyors of everything. And you have to go to them because they'll tell you what to think. And unfortunately, there are people who just are willing to believe it. And of course, they believe that. But I want to uh, pounce on what Startsy said about the way people reacted. And, and initially to when this happened around in, in, in early in the morning, and people were like, what? You, you cut him and you didn't get anything for him? And, and just, just, just the, the vitriol, uh, of, obviously, and people are just wanting to pounce on Belichick for whatever reason, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's because yeah. of Brady, whether it's because of something else. Yeah. Look, for me, I've learned to take the emotional side out of everything that happens, especially with this team, because once you do that, then you understand where things are coming from and where you know, where his thinking is. Obviously, you're not going to be thinking like Belichick, but at least you're on the same amount of wavelength. And look, I'm looking at the Patriots as a team. They played four games this season, and currently they sit at the top of the league in almost every defensive category, especially when it comes to defending the pass. Um, I know stats are for losers, but I just have to say this. Um, they're third in opponent completion percentage. They're fourth in yards per game and in the season. They're second in touchdowns allowed, fifth in interceptions with five. Yeah. They're second in quarterback rating, first in long plays allowed, and sixth in points per game. So, and that's all without Stephon Gilmore. Now, am I saying that uh, having a healthy Gilmore wouldn't have made a difference? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I think that there's a lot to improve on with this current makeup of this defense. And like you said, this, this is not a surprising thing for anybody who's been following this team for any modicum of amount of time. So if you're, if you're surprised by this, then, then maybe you should, maybe you should uh, <laughs> go research the thousands of moves that have been made of this team in just this exact manner. And this led to a, a, a another Bedard beauty. Bedard tweeted earlier um, that in part that quote, this is a, this is quite a mess at quarterback for Belichick. The tweet below it, and I tweeted this out earlier, the tweet below it was from Mark Daniels from the Providence Journal. This is the quite a mess with the Patriots cornerbacks. Quarterback passer rating versus Pat's quarterbacks. J.C. Jackson, 44.09. Jonathan Jones, 63.04. Jalen Mills, 78.33. Quite a mess yeah. at Patriots quarterback. And I, I wish that there was a, me, a media, some sort of media critic in town. Is there a media critic in town? Sounds like a baseball 
The answer is, Dan, no, there is no media critic on, t- on town. It's, I, you know, I, sometimes I think that maybe I'm the insane one for caring too much about this stuff, but you know, I overuse the term gaslighting on this podcast, but that's Dan, that's really what this is. The media doesn't like Belichick. It's agenda driven reporting, confirmation bias, that sort of thing. I don't know what to add to that. That's absolutely right. <laughs> He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, <laughs> folks. Um, Scartelli, if it wasn't so, Mike, let me just say, if it wasn't so bad, what would the need for this podcast be, right? I mean, at least it's cathartic for the five of us. Let, let me let me say let me say one thing on Gilmore too. Average age of cornerbacks uh, uh, in the NFL right now is just a shade over twenty five. It's about twenty five point three. Gilmore is going to be thirty two at the beginning of next early yeah. in the beginning of next season. So you know, somebody will give him uh, a decent contract, you know, probably with voidable years and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, but he's, he's, he's roughly seven years older than the average NFL quarter cornerback. And you can see where there's just not a huge market for, for a guy that age who wants to get paid like that. It's just, yeah. there's not a lot to get for that. To paraphrase Robert Klemko, love Klemko. The uh, bill should have held out and taken their picks, all of them in a trade for Gilmore. Yeah. Um, Scarzi had a, a good line in his uh, the sports junk drawer at the 15net.com always a must read um, we were debating in our show thread about journalists as entertainers and Scarzi um, entertainalists I, I probably screwed that up but it's uh, entertainer you lists I've got it uh, written here phonetically I really yeah, should have you it's know Latin, it's Latin for media is, is what you're saying it's it's a it's a six syllable tongue twister. So I'm surprised that uh, surprised that Gasper didn't uh, come up with that. So, but I'm taking ownership. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be within a quarter mile radius of rich teeth when he was trying to say that. But <laughs> um, the the entertist uh, entertist Jesus, um, I never go full rich teeth. But Scartsy, uh, the journalists and inter entertainers. Now you got me. This is in my head like it's gonna be my Steve Sachs moment. I'm just gonna throw it. There's there's a hip reference for the kids steve sacks <laughs> but, but uh, uh, 23 skidoo yeah steve blast disease would be even worse john but scartsy um i would argue that i'd throw the flag it's you know to paraphrase seinfeld uh you're not a journalist and you're not entertaining so i mean the journalist is you wrote that in the sports junk draw what were you what were you thinking as you you put that into your column oh i could only be thinking of uh podcast uh guest and um uh questionable vouch of the uh of the uh said of said podcast mark dondero who seemed oh, to think that um, who seemed to think that uh press conferences are supposed to be entertaining and the fact that we're supposed to uh respect the art of yes. a uh, question that elicits an entertaining response the tv and it's <laughs> oh boy that's a uh, yeah i came up with the word but i think other people can use their words better than mine to just to describe this whole situation let's just say i regret the hashtag team dondero as much as anything i've ever done in life Shaq, um Shaq, they're not journalists they're not entertainers um i'd argue they're they're incapable of embarrassment mark i'm sorry you were generous with your time on entitled town but i, I i'm doing the uh uh the Seth Rogen, you know, cut sign, but um, they're not attending. They're not journalists. Uh, what are they, Shaq? And am I the fool for even engaging in this? No, 
but I tell you who's a fool, uh, Mark Landero in front of in front of his computer. You know, he, I guess he had I guess he had the camera zoomed in all the way in the front, and he was pretty much uh, espousing a, a journalist matter, sort of like a, a, a social activist. You know, the, the person asking the question doesn't matter. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, you don't matter. And, and th this goes for all of you. No, you're not the story. I don't know when that right. shift occurred as to uh, a journalist having to put their opinion into the story. No, the, we as a public are not there to listen to you tell us what to think. We're smart enough. And I definitely know that everyone here and everyone listening to this podcast is smart enough to know what to think because we're there, we're following, we're smart enough to know what's right and what's wrong we're there to hear from the person that you're interviewing you're not a comedian you're not one of these people who you're not a broadway artist you know teaching is an art form you know bloviating on television and <laughs> and is not i mean if, if if that was an art then shoot we should be art. we're artists because we're bloviating right now so it's 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 ridiculous and we're, we're artists with an etch-a-sketch <laughs> yeah it's, it's not about you it's not about you. I had no clue. Dan, you're, you're the only one who approaches a classically <laughs> trained journalist here. So uh, what are your thoughts on this subject? You, you want a journalist to be like a good offensive lineman. If, if you don't want to hear yes. their name, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want their input. Mm -hmm. if, if you hear their name, then something's, something's wrong. Matt Light as Mike Reese in this case, perhaps. Uh, John, wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh... I think Dan makes a good point. Unfortunately, I'm feeling I, because I agree with that. I think we're increasingly kind of antiquated in that notion. Uh, I think it's an old fashioned notion. It doesn't seem to be very much in vogue anymore. Uh, and I think that's sad. I think we have, I think really honestly, a single person, maybe two who cover the Patriots right now, Mike Reese, of course, being the one um, who, who approaches it the way Dan approaches it. You know, he, he writes his notes column post game. I think somebody made the point on Twitter. It's like, I can't believe ESPN doesn't post that entire notes column as is, uh, you know, they're so devoid of real content on that website. You think there would be room for Mike Reese's like serious nine thorough thoughts, you know, post game, yep. uh, that he, that he writes every week. That's relegated to like screenshots on Twitter, that sort of coverage you know, when you're grinding it out and just doing honest to goodness coverage, it's clear there's a market for that. I know we've talked about that in the past on this podcast. The engagement Reese gets is consistent. It's genuine. It's people, people appreciate it. You know, the comments he gets, I would think that any writer for any team or, or in any industry would want to be viewed the way Mike Reese is viewed. And where he is the single person who zigs that way, everybody else is zagging toward you know the the stuff that we hate that we lament that that is you know yeah. the journalist as entertainer the journalist as the story the journalist as i want to i want to stir the pot at the press conference and ask the question that's been asked you know about jimmy garoppolo for four years or you know we're gonna be asking about gilmore you know into into next season right like it's we're just you know it's there's room for more Reese's in this market. And, and actually, I think the market's oversaturated on the, the, the Felger youth, right? Yes. And, I, and it makes me sad, actually, that a guy like Dondero, instead of seeing where the market inefficiency is, you know, more Reese-like characters, he's going where there's a surplus 
and, and trying to outdo the Felger youth. And that's, that's just a bad look. I don't even think it's authentic to who he is, right? But, you know, that's what they seem to be chasing, like Adam Jones Jr. shit. And it's like, come on, don't, don't go there. Anyway. Agreed. Um, so Sunday, the Patriots are going to play the Texans in Houston. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the 15 will have boots on the ground. Shaq will be tweeting live. Um, you are tweeting live. Never go full Musburger. I'm overusing that line. Uh, the Patriots are playing the Texans, and the Texans have a running back, old friend by the name of Rex Burkhead, Dan. Uh, Burkhead is familiar with the system. The Texans aren't really going anywhere. And while he has a tendency to get dinged a little bit, and I think he's actually nursing an injury now, Mike Reese, the aforementioned Mike Reese, floated an idea where the Patriots could throw a late-round pick, say maybe a late-rounder that they received for Stephon Gilmore, to fill a need at running back, someone who's familiar with the system and it was productive in the system uh, to help with the younger guys. Your thoughts? It, it does seem like a natural fit, doesn't it? I mean, um, losing losing White, you have uh, Burkhead possibly fitting into that slot. Uh, he just had a hip injury of his own and won't be playing this week. But obviously, I think it's worth kicking the tires on that. Uh, Cause I don't think he's, he hasn't played much with Houston. So it doesn't seem like much of a fit there. Maybe, maybe you could trade a pick for him. He like, um, just like Gilmore is 31 years old. So who knows how much tread is left, but certainly love the idea. Scott, see your thoughts. Is Woodhead still available? <laughs> Probably not, but no, that'd be, I'm i uh, I'm a, I'm 100% behind the idea of, uh, you know, possibly getting Burkhead back. It's not like they haven't done things similar like this week and bringing Collins back for a uh, yeah. third uh, re-up with the, uh, with the uh, Patriots. Never mind the fact that it would trigger Kenneth to no end, which I'm in favor of. Jeeps would be flying everywhere in, in, uh, in northern <laughs> New England. Shaq, Rex Burkhead, uh, do you vouch for a return? Uh, I vouch. Um, I was kind of also thinking about uh, Marlon Mack from the Colts, but I think the Burkhead idea is probably more feasible because um, I've always felt that he's pretty underrated. Um, not necessarily in the passing game, but he, for what is needed right now, um, Damian Harris, I liked uh, last week in the uh, pass protection part of it. And I think that um I think that that would actually be, I think he would actually be doing a, a service for at this point, because um, it seems like the uh, JJ Taylor is, I don't want to say doghouse, but it seems like that's kind of where that is. And Stevenson, we're still um, playing the, uh, CBD, the yep. red shirt card, but yeah, it's, it's a little iffy there. So yeah, I wouldn't mind it at all. It was a trick question when I asked you if you vouched for him. The, the answer is never vouch, but you can, you know, certainly <laughs> advocate vouch, for it. But I, I think it's it's the only <laughs> fair that Jack Easterby, you know, Wickersham, the appropriately named Seth Wickersham, obvious source Jack Easterby, and uh, Nick Casario do uh, his old employer a solid. John, uh, thoughts on Burkhead? Yeah, it was like Burkhead. Um, it, it's a question of his his injury status and. Yeah, as was already said, how much treads on the tires, but he knows the system. He's very much plug and play. You know, I'm convinced, and I, I don't know that it's, you know, brain surgery here, but Stevenson's not on the field because of blitz pickup. And yep. I, I wonder, again, you know, J.J. Taylor may not have played again because of the fumble, but you watched that play. That was a good defensive play. Um, it was a little bit bang-bang-ish. 
helmet was right on his arms, right on the ball. I mean, hit him squarely. Uh, tough play. But I, I just wonder about J.J. Taylor with blitz pickup. If you look back on the comments that Ivan Fears made, um, you know, it's blitz pickup. Is, and, and honestly, the, the amount of times Mac Jones is getting hit, like they need a running back who can, you know, help out and not miss an assignment on the blitz. And you, you would expect a guy like Burkhead, even if there's not a ton of tread, he immediately steps in and is an upgrade on blitz pickup. And, you know, Bolden had six catches. I, I mean, I haven't gone through the numbers. When's the last time Brendan Bolden's had six catches in a game for the Patriots? So do, do they need a little bit out of the passing game from that second running back behind Harris? Uh, maybe more than Bolden can give. Can Burkhead be that guy? I mean, that it's a, it's a low cost, low risk move, in my opinion, if he's healthy. It's probably a position they, they look to at least augment leading up to the trade deadline. If there's any, you know, surprise cuts along the way. We can't be, we can't be having uh, Mac Jones keep getting hit. Like he's uh, Johnny Unitas. No, sh- no shit. No <laughs> shit. John, finish, finish your thought. John. <laughs> Well, well, and you know the the other thing it was it was lightly reported in El the Fuhrer over the the Gilmore deal, but they were hard up against the cap. So bringing in Collins, if they yeah. want to bring in Burkhead, I mean these are not free moves, right? There's a salary cap consideration here, and the 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 masterstroke of you know we we all think Belichick knew exactly what was going to happen with the cap in the COVID year, right? We all we all think this was yes. part of the master plan. Do we all? Also give him credit. I do. Do we also give him credit that putting Gilmore on the pup list, knowing that that frees up his salary cap space, right? Because, because he was on the pup that the, the, by moving him, he's, they, they've freed up that cap room, right? That they wouldn't have freed up if he had been on the roster with a, with a, with a trade or release. Right. So this, they, they have room now for the Burkhead type move, the Jamie Collins type move, maybe an additional move to augment this roster. They wouldn't have had it had they not put him on the pup list at the beginning of the year. Are you saying the cap is crap? <laughs> uh, for, for everybody except the Saints. The Saints seem to have figured out how to do these, you know, 12 voidable years on the back end of a contract. And I, I don't I, I admit I don't fully understand how they're doing that. And, and very few others are. They have anyway. Greg Bedard's accountants. That would be my explanation. <laughs> yeah. um, I got. We discussed earlier uh, Belichick getting crucified today. Uh, a gent crucified not only by Albert Breer. I mean, other national media as well. The Patriots' record is one and three. Mike Tomlin's Pittsburgh Steelers are also coincidentally one and three. Peter Schrager, who will never who will never have anyone in football, he won't fillet tweeted out a quote that Mike Tomlin had today that absolutely made me nauseous. It was the Shawn Michaels tickling balls dot GIF. This is Mike, Mike Tomlin's quote on why he chose to speak to the Denver Broncos media. Because I want to support my beat guys. And if my beat guys are getting, are being accommodated, then I will take care of the opposing team. And I just think that's the right approach to have. We're all in the same ecosystem. Obviously our agendas are different, but I've got respect for the work our people have to do. And so, if they're being taken care of, I intend to always take care of the opposing media market, and that will always be my approach. So he's taking care of the people, Shaq, that are taking care of him. I say one of my overused phrases about the Boston media is that it's an incestuous cesspool. This is why Mike Tomlin 
gets good PR and is beloved despite his Steelers circling the bowl and Beth, Ben Roethlisberger gamely playing with a, a knife between his shoulder blades while Tomlin gets filleted and Belichick gets crucified. Yeah, you rub my back, I'll rub yours type of thing. And like you always say, it's a crime family. And apparently the coaches are, are joining the crime family, like getting in the limo and getting their guns and seeing who, get, who they can shoot. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny because uh, when Mike Tomlin, when, whenever, he's in, whenever he's in Foxborough playing the Patriots, yeah, he's, he's, cool, with, he's cool with not treating with, with talking to the media, but only talking to the media regarding what the Patriots have done wrong, you know, whether it's their, their headphones going out or anything like that. So to me, I think it's, you know, and he's kind of, he's kind of like Dan Campbell, another guy who, you know, he has to <laughs> ham it up for the, has to ham it up for the camera. I mean, it's, it's, it's different in that, you know, the personalities are different, but they're still doing the same thing. They're giving the media what they want. And as long as you're doing that, obviously they're going to have the red carpet rolled out for you. And so, yeah, this is why Bill Belichick um, gets what he gets because, well, he's not them. He's not going to, he's not going to give the media what they want. He's going to actually make them work. I will admit that I do have a level of Scartelli. I do have a level of sympathy for Mike Tomlin because the last time he played in Foxborough, evidently uh, in his headset, he had to hear Scott Zolak calling the Patriots game. So thoughts and prayers <laughs> to him. Scar, to your thoughts on this on this Tomlin this Tomlin quote again for the second time I I need a, my barf bag to read this <laughs> Nick Cattles and Mike Tomlin like equals oh it's it's been said before it'll be said uh, again if uh, they'll they'll play favorites the press will and you know the fact that he's you know putting this uh, Eddie Haskell act on and. Uh, that's 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 that agreed uh, john uh you and i infamously we've had conversations about our, our our loathing of mike tomlin and just uh his low-key hardo act but this is i'm in, i'm embarrassed for him i want the simpsons quote i'm embarrassed for you but that may that's shameless the the media love fest with him i mean it was it was a good handy quote because it really gets to the soul of why the media loves him. Um, yeah. The I will say though, as a Patriots fan, I hope the Steelers never fire him. I hope he's always there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I every time Bill Belichick's on one sideline and Mike Tomlin's on the other, I feel there's a sense of calm that the Patriots will will be okay. I one of the things that I will go to my my grave laughing about is that the Steelers have in their headquarters. Joe Hayden's interception of Tom Brady in 2018 framed prominently. Mm -hmm. And the Steelers are a, a franchise that has legacies going back decades. You know, they've obviously won six Super Bowls. They framed that picture of picking off Tom Brady and again in a game in 2018 in a season where A, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs and B, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. So if I ever go to the Steeler Hall of Fame, if it, I, I will, I will take a picture of that, and I will laugh my <laughs> ass off. I promise you that. Go ahead, John. It gives, it gives off real Robert Andino vibes, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a really good point. Nice. <laughs> really good point. Um, let's go to some listener emails. Um, the first one, as I click on the link, 
is from veteran entitled town emailer Vinny Jace. I did not send these emails to you guys ahead of time because I wanted you to react in real time. Let me read Vinny's email. Uh, do we think Josh McDaniels is doing a good job? Vinny thinks he's been okay. Everyone Vinny talks to thinks he needs to be fired immediately, which means that Vinny is probably hanging out 98.5, the sports clan. Can you give me any ammunition shack for, to argue why Josh McDaniels, and I, I can't believe I'm actually asking you this. Why should Josh McDaniels not be fired? You know, I would recommend to Vinny and anyone else who has a problem with their offensive coordinator well, I would recommend you go on social media during a game and thousand percent go on and look at the, look at the fans who are yep. tweeting about their offensive coordinators, yep. because it's exactly the same thing that you hear about Josh McDaniels from Patriots fans. Oh, you're, you're doing this toss play. Oh, look at this. What are you doing? Why, why are you running on third down? It's the same thing for every team. Yeah. The offensive coordinator, for some reason, besides the head coach and the GM, it's just like it's a lightning rod of controversy for, for teams and fans. So, well, I, I would just say why why should be fired? Because, well, I mean, who are you going to get? It's, it's the same thing for anytime somebody says fire Belichick. Well, who are you going to get to replicate the Dom Capers? <laughs> John, go ahead. If uh, Patriots fans are so convinced that Josh McDaniels is so predictable, they ought to go on those gambling sites where you can bet play by play and pay off their goddamn houses, right? <laughs> so, you know, Shaq is exactly right. Shaq is exactly right. You know, we'd go through, as a, as a fan base, we'd go through 17 different offensive coordinators a season if the fans had their way. So, you know, I, I, look, at, I look at Mac Jones being judged against past NFL MVPs and the, the, the top tier quarterbacks in the league with his performance thus far and things like 19 straight completions. And I think to myself, Josh McDaniels is doing a hell of a job with a, with a first year quarterback four games into his career, making him look like he's been there, you know, for years, right. Given, given any Patriots fan with a, with a functioning brainstem, I think a sense of like, wow, you know, this is, this is our guy. We've got this guy for a while. You know, I love what they're building here. And, and you know, how can you not give Josh McDaniels some credit for that? Come on, Vinny. Vin, and, and I think we all love Vinny. Vinny, turn your friends on as best you can. Win a bet in the terms. Make them listen to this podcast. Hopefully that'll help. Uh, I think the Geneva Convention it prohibits that, John. <laughs> the apologies. Scartelli, I would suggest that Vinny stop hanging out in Haverhill and with produce washers at Market Basket. What do you think? <laughs> That's probably a good idea just in general. And uh, it's, it, there's, it's a too small a sample size this year to, you know, start, uh, start, you know, letting Josh know he should look for, you know, other opportunities. So I'm not, uh, I'm it's, it's no, it's, there's no, uh, there's no big hurry here. You can't tell me that they weren't excited by the uh, razzle dazzle gadget plays that uh, happened oh, yeah. in the game on uh Sunday night. That was that was some fun. It's fun when you, one of your best wide receivers is also a deadly accurate passer. Jacoby Myers channeling his inner Edelman, Dan. Uh, Dan, <laughs> your thoughts on if Josh McDaniel? I can't believe I'm I'm verbalizing this. If Josh McDaniel <laughs> should not be fired, that's nonsense. You know, if, if things aren't working out offensively, the offensive coordinator is always first in the line of fire. 
they don't. It's the lowest of low hanging fruit. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They don't design the place to fail. It's it's it's. There's there's more to it. You know, it's execution is part of it. You know, there's there's many reasons why a play could fail, but they they don't hand hand the ball off to get one yard. Why did they do that? Well. They didn't plan for it to get one yard. Yeah, it's like you know? Bill There's Belichick an, takes the worst return for a player, right? I mean, it's, they're not, not knowing they're, 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 there's an opposing team that plays defense. I mean, who knew? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They for never sure. make good plays. Everything's supposed to go exactly to, to plan. What's the What's the old line? The other guys get paid too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second email, and I have to be honest, I don't think I mentioned this on our pod on on uh, Thursday, gentlemen. Uh, this is from old board friend Fegis. Uh, and this is regarding the, the podcast with Mike on Route One. He goes, I can't fucking believe you didn't discuss Bill Simmons. That's on me. I'll take a lap. There was a there was a lot of stuff to cover, and hopefully Mike will come, Mike on Route One will come back. The final listener email. Oh, Mike, Mike, Go ahead. Mike, let me suggest on that because I, I thought that was a great pod, Sean Michaels, you know, gif inserted here. But the the there was Snoopy's going to use that. Snoopy's definitely going to use that, Jeff. <laughs> there, there was there was some uh, there was some uh, exchanges. I thought he he was in on on Twitter on the recent pod around the departed, and uh, I think oh we're, we're going to cover that. We're going to cover that. That that is its own pod. I think maybe a maybe a satellite pod to the the traditional entitled town fair. I think would be a would would be a good. Uh, a good, a good investment in time. I can't believe Simmons didn't know there was priests in the departed. I mean, I was screaming at my cell phone, <laughs> listening to that goddamn podcast. Clavin, I got a concussion from the Clavin shaking that I was doing for Christ's sake. Uh, the last listener email of the week, and this is directed at one member of the panel who will, will remain vouchless, hopefully for the remainder of the month. <laughs> this is from Brian in Washington. And he wants to know, um, John, if you could take back one of your endless vouchers, which one would it be? <laughs> and as a second one, would you please vouch for his ex-wife's sanity? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on November 1st, I will vouch for your ex-wife's sanity. Uh, <laughs> um, if, if, uh, if I could take one back, geez, I, I can't remember how many I've given. To be honest, uh, it was a, a real the, reckless. That's the issue, John. It, there was a real reckless stretch there where I was giving them out like, uh, uh, like Oprah yeah. giving out gifts on her on her show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like Bedard giving out bad information on Twitter today, um, today alone. It's a day that ends in Y, John. Of course, uh, come on. Yeah, the 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 Cattles one feels especially raw uh, with his recent tweet storm. I mean, it was I'm, no excuses. You know, you can go back. It's all on tape. Uh, I guess I'd probably have to go with Nick, but you know, there's probably, you know, there's probably three others that <laughs> I think I probably we could do. It. We could do a whole clip show, like when, we, when, we, when we're not when we're not around. We should do that. Yeah, like the, the, uh, the one-hour Seinfeld clip show, right? Bad bad vouchers are like the spice of life, right? You know, I mean, Mike and I go back, and we I will still bust Mike's chops on AC Earl and Michael Smith. Oh and, God! You know, we we could do an entire we could do an entire pod on Mike's like before vouchers were vouchers, right? So it, it runs in the family. Let's put it that way. I was I, I will admit this, and this is clearly not my finest moment. <laughs> when AC Earl fell to nineteen and the Celtics were picking, I was. It was with dad and John going, 
AC Earl, AC Earl, AC Earl, AC Earl. And when they picked AC Earl, uh, it was it was like when Vinatieri hit the field goal in Super Bowl Thirty Six. Clearly it will, not. It it was it was the build up to it was Utah taking Luther Wright one pick before, <laughs> and and everybody knew like everybody knew except the Utah front office because we watched Big East basketball. Luther Wright, if you don't know, was a was a big man out of Seton Hall, um, and not a particularly good player. Uh, at least I didn't think so. And but Utah, the Utah front office did. And when when it was like clear that Utah was taking Luther Wright, and that meant AC Earl slid one pick later to the Celtics, <laughs> the euphoria, like dropping your knees. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so we've all had our moments. Someday we've I'll, all had our moments. I think Scotty knows my Luther Wright story. Someday I'll tell my Luther Wright story on this podcast. It is. It is real and it, it's spectacular. College shenanigans for the win. Yes. Um, I want to do a couple of, uh, Scartelli and I, as, as is Dan, we're all uh, expats, of, as I've mentioned previously, of the Boston Sports Media Walk. Bruce Allen, one of the greats, his message board. And we have a, a, a Slack that we're, we're dealing with now. And I want to kind of make this a regular feature because I think there's, there's certainly um, smarter dialogue going on there than there is anywhere in Boston media or, or national sports media for that matter. Um, I have, I have three examples. I just want to read off. Uh, and I love this. I chisel this John note, chisel this one in my gravestone. Uh, this is from the King as if we needed more proof that sports radio cultivates the stupid and the crazy, the more stupid and the crazy, the more they showcase it. Radio is the lowest rung in the showbiz ladder. And they're the lowest form of that deal uh this is regarding this is from king again quote if you don't believe our fictional shit reporting it's just because we're saying things you don't want to want to hear notice this unfalsable unfalsifiable line of thinking from current and the other other carnival barkers you can either believe our self-evidently excellent journalism or you can be undeniable what's going on because you don't want to hear bad things about your favorite team Mm-hmm. So you knee-jerk re- reject the truth, trademark, that I'm dissing out. The other possibility is that the reporting is shitty and contradicted by other items in the already public arena, as we discussed earlier with Ricochet, uh, that, that that's not even entertained. These truths are self-evident, and not all mediates are created equal. The last one is from Humphrey, and I love this point, and I wish I had thought of this myself. This is regarding Belichick and Brady. What's the worst you can say about Belichick? His program isn't well-designed for a player to be in it for 20 years. The average career length of a pro bowler is 11 and a half years. Mm. Well said. Well said. Uh, let's go to our final thoughts. Shaq, you're playing Ricky Henderson. You're in the leadoff position. Go. Well, I hope to pick up a, a third base over here because, I. first of all, I have to uh, give a – couple of shout outs to people to Twitter folks that I actually met at the stadium. Um, shout out to the fib and general Steve Reisner. Um, a couple of great guys. Uh, we had a tailgate and it was all good. So shout out to them. And second of all, no shout out and a fuck you to Jake in Boston. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking <laughs> Billboard about, boy. Yeah. Billboard boy. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Because I can't believe I didn't put that on the discussion. That's I'm taking two laps after the pod. And, and, and that's my fault too, but I didn't, I, I know we had a lot to discuss, but I just wanted to, to not give him the attention that he deserves, but also give him the attention that he does deserve, which is fuck you, because 
And also, this goes to 985 The Sports Clan, because if you notice, uh, they promoted the hell out of this. Mark Bertrand uh, with the updates to Jake and Boston's billboard, which, by the way, is factually incorrect. Uh, the first line is factually incorrect. Well, second line that says only one pro bowler drafted since 2013 of the owl. Who calls Belichick the owl? And uh, only one pro bowler. That's wrong. Jake Bailey. Uh, drafted in 2019 and he made the pro bowl yeah. so that's that you spent so much money and of course i, I believe 985 the sports clan footed the bill for this and Absolutely. they have this guy uh I, I would recommend going on to the 15net.com and looking up the jake and boston article because it exposes a guy who didn't want to be exposed but of course you go on wbz and do an interview because uh, but you blur your face but no if you're going to talk about somebody and if you're going to make a whole billboard out of it and you're going to be the face of that, then you need to be out. And that's what the 15 that did. That's what the 15 did. They exposed him for who he is a front running fraud who is wanting to be just like his, his daddies in sports media and sports radio. So uh, uh, double freedom rockets to Jake. And <laughs> he, yeah, he didn't want the publicity. Catherine Han dot wink Disney. Yeah. Uh, Dan, your final thoughts uh, before we end the pod. You know, I want to start with um, calling out one other thing I saw on the Boston Sports message board. Um, I forget who, who this was, but somebody was saying, making the point that the anomaly isn't that Belichick got rid of the best player of all time. The anomaly was that Belichick existed with the best player of all time for 20 yeah. years. The, the out, that's an outlier, uh, outlier by, by a long yeah. shot. Who else? What other doors. coach quarterback combination has existed that long? The so, answer is none. That so that was my first thought. Just following up on what you were talking about with the, the Boston Sports Media Watch guys. Um, I want to talk about what I've seen lately. With th this has been going on for a while, but I, I, I like to call them plausible presumptions. See, they're, they're media guys that they make these assumptions that sound reasonable, but actually they're 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 specious upon further examination. So. For example, uh, uh, the back in Super Bowl 49, that Marshawn Lynch, the presumption is if Marshawn Lynch got that, that carry, for sure he was going to go in. But, right. you know, you, you can't just make yeah. that presumption. He hadn't done that in short yardage earlier in the game. They had, like, the, the tackle-heavy defense in to stop him. So I, I've heard, like, two or three different things this week along the same lines. Like, I heard Rich Eisen uh, speaking with mm -hmm. Peter King, and – they were making the presumption that had Brady had the 50 seconds to work with, well, of course he was going to lead him into field goal range. And of course they were going to win. It's, it's making presumption upon presumption that not, aren't necessarily true. And then I heard another one today or saw another one today with, with Mike Florio when once uh, Gilmore became available and he was making the presumption that the Patriots waited until after the Bucks game to make that transaction. The, the presumption being that had they made it last week, the Bucs would have signed them and they would have played against them, et cetera, et cetera. But the Bucs were pretty tight to the cap too. And uh, you don't even know what shape Gilmore's quad is in. And of course they ended up trading to the Panthers anyway. Right. So there's this old sports writer thing. And this is going back to the eighties when I was playing micro league baseball in Stratomatic with John. Peter Schmuck, I believe this is Peter Schmuck's theory, the appropriately named Peter Schmuck being a sports writer. Uh, he wrote for the Baltimore Sun. 
And he had this theory called the fallacy of the predestined hit. So it was, uh, you know, a runner gets thrown out stealing and on the next pitch with the bases empty, the yeah. batter hits a home yeah. run. It yeah. like everything changes, right? I mean, it's yeah. nothing is, is predisposed. So that's, I will call that the fallacy of the predestined hit theory. Uh, Scartelli, final thoughts from you. All right. I have two final thoughts. I would like to uh, reiterate what uh, Shaq brought up earlier, that all our listeners are very smart people, even you, Peepsy. <laughs> and also, I would like to, uh, I would also like to say Succession Season 3, uh, Squid Game, and uh, Charlie <laughs> D'Amelio. This way, I have now brought the average age of my pop culture references somewhere into the 1970s, I think. You still lag really- behind Shank. I think so. I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well played. As always, Scartelli, uh, well played. Um, my final thoughts. The Seahawks are playing the Rams later today. Uh, Seattle weather update. High of about 60. It's going to be partly cloudy. The wind will be coming off the sound at six miles an hour. If you're going to the game, you may want to bring a light jacket because the chill is in the air. Blaho, right again. I'd also like to, to give a tip of the entitled town cap uh, to the Red Sox. The Red Sox beat the Yankees last night in a, a, a really great performance. And I, you knew in your heart, I mean, God bless, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Yankee, someone help me out here. The, uh, John, John Sterling. Sterling. John, John Sterling, Sterling is the Yankee broadcaster. John Sterling makes Gil Santos sound spry. And Gil Santos has been dead for three and a half years. God bless, God bless you, John Sterling. But thank you to the Red Sox for eliminating the despicable Yankees and their right field uh, gesticulating fans. Uh, one of my favorite gifs of all time. <laughs> my other final thoughts is actually we're coming into the best time of the year to be a sports fan. Football is going. Uh, we got the Celtics coming back, the Bruins coming back. The Red Sox are in the goddamn playoffs. The season's a win for me. The Red Sox season's a win. Our friend Salvatore from Squidneck would say that everything's ahead of schedule. And you know what, Sal? You're right. So there's no bad outcome. Tampa's might be the best team in baseball that doesn't reside in the uh, National League West. So this is going to be a fun weekend, a fun week. Enjoy it. Don't let... Don't be like me and let the media sap the joy of competition just watching all this stuff that's really interesting and and think for yourselves i want to end my portion of this podcast i want to end the podcast on this note this is i believe this is an old board member scartelli um he tweeted this back on september 15th and i thought this is this is the gospel according to entitled town uh this will be definitely in our bible at claude underscore b steel um, in a response to one of our buddies from Pennsylvania, Connor said, so tell me again why it's a good idea to be honest and forthright with the media. The quotes are often relayed without context and with personal interpretation from the press. Then they climb to the moral high ground and finger wag the scenario they manufactured. The worst. Again, I'm going to have a way too big a gravestone, John. Get a night job because I'm going to need <laughs> multiple quotes on my gravestone. All right. Um, thank you to Vinny. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to old member, uh, old board member Fegis for sending in the emails. Entitledtown at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at Entitledtown. 
Dan's at Patriots Daily. John is at Vouchless in October. Scartelli <laughs> is at Pat, uh, Pat Scartell. Shaq is at Atomic Dog 5150. My name is Mike Irons. Thank you very much for listening to us. And as always, for the love of God, turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball. I had no clue.